0: and an honor to get to start a worship service with baptism. And so this morning I have the honor of baptizing Kayla Light. Kayla um, made a profession of faith as a young girl and was told that she wasn't allowed to be baptized until she was an adult to make that decision. And up next we have Adam who's being baptized. And when Adam came home, he kind of inspired and reminded Kayla. And Kayla said, you know what, I'm an adult now and I can make this decision. So Kayla, before I baptize you, have one question. Do you know that Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior?
1: Yes, I do. Based
0: on your public profession of faith, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Adam, would you join me, sir? I'm going to get the brick ready. Adam, you were a good reminder to your aunt. And God, I pray that. You can be a good reminder to someone else out there that anybody's testimony can cause eternal change. So, Adam, I have a question for you. Do you know that Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior?
1: Yes. Amen. Yes.
0: Based on your public profession of faith. Based on your public profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism, and raised to walk in new life. <laughs> something amen if you would pray with me he's excited dear god i just want to thank you for this morning i thank you for the opportunity to see eternities change to see people following you and taking that step of obedience to follow jesus god i pray this morning that that adam and kayla's testimony that their obedience would inspire others to follow you that we would be able to to share and to love you and god i pray this morning that your spirit would move as we sing and as pastor dan preaches it's in your precious name i pray amen
2: morning church and happy Mother's Day to all of our moms out there. We want to worship our God together and proclaim His glory. Would you stand with us this morning as we worship together? The Bible says ascribe to the Lord families and peoples; Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to His name. Let's say. Blessing, honor, strength, and power Yours alone
3: Andrew, I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and I want to welcome you to church this morning. We would love to know you're here, and we would invite you to check in by pulling out your cell phone, texting one of these keywords on the screen behind me here, or you can grab one of those cards in the seat back in front of you, and you can fill that out and turn it into the box box on your way out this morning. Uh, when you check in, it lets us know how to pray for you, lets us know what's going on in Life Our Church. We kind of hide all that information on this website. We don't want people to know what it is and keep it a secret, but you go to it straight away when you check in. So it helps us know. You can also find some information on those boards right outside the double doors you leave that kind of lets you know what's going on in Life Our Church. So some things we've got coming up that you should know about, be aware of. Um, the first thing is our VBS is coming up uh, very soon and we've got a lot of kids signed up. Now we need adults to help out. All right? And so we need some adults and some teenagers to sign up, and you can sign up by using one of the keywords there to our phone number. And so Pastor Justin was saying earlier this morning in the early service that we've got a lot of the the teachers and the leaders set up, but we really need some uh, guides. Um, He referred to them more as herders. And so we need you to help move kids from one place, kids or cats, it's kind of the same thing, one way or the other, to move them from one place to another. As long as you can count to 16 and we live in Florida, so you can wear flip-flops and use your toes too, if that helps. But as long as you can count to 16, you can keep up with the kids, just move them from place to place. We need some adults to do that. So if you would sign up by texting those keywords, that would be really great. Um, we would love to do that. It's a great outreach for our community, um, for VBS that week uh, in July. So really need some help there. Also, if you have some technological skills, we are hiring a technology technical director. If that sounds really complicated, then that's probably not the job for you, all right? So we're going to have somebody who's running a lot of the stuff in the back, uh, guiding us and helping us get better equipped to just run technology in our, our worship center and across our campus. And so if you're interested in that position, you want to see an actual job description, if you'll email, email Pastor Brad, uh, he will get you more information on that, um, brad at stetson.church. And then finally, the last thing we have is this week, Our one of the ministries of our church is our school. They have a band concert on Thursday at seven o'clock in this room. And we would love to invite you to come and to support our, our middle school and our elementary school students as they have a band concert to finish up their school year uh, on that Thursday night it would be a great opportunity for you to show that you're behind them and you support them. So uh, we're excited you're here this morning. Let's continue to worship by prayer. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for just the opportunity you give us today to worship in your house. Lord, to sing praises to the King of Kings, to give you all the glory. Lord, I pray that you would just help us as we lift high the name of Jesus today, that you will help us to honor you and that we will leave change because of our time together. Father, as Pastor Dan comes to bring the message in a few moments, I pray that you would just allow your spirit to speak through him, that our our hearts will have the ears to hear, that our hearts will be changed, and we will live differently because of everything you do in our life. And Father, I pray that as we continue to praise the name of Jesus during worship, that you would be glorified. It's in your son's name we pray.
2: Well, amen. Come on, church. Let's continue to worship together as we stand and lift our voices and we proclaim our God's greatness this morning. Let's sing it out. The splendor of the King All the earth rejoices. He wraps himself in light Darkness tries to hide And trembles at his voice Trembles at his voice Let's lift every voice in this room today And let's proclaim God's greatness Let's sing that chorus one more time And how great is our God God. Lord, we stand humbled and amazed of what you've done for us on the cross. Lord, we stand humbled and amazed that you even love us. Lord, we stand humbled and amazed of all that you are and all that we have through all eternity because of you and because of your love for us. Lord, we worship you and we praise you today and we lift up the mighty name of Jesus in this place and everyone said, amen. Would you please be seated?
4: morning. So good to see you this morning. What a wonderful day and what a wonderful time of worship we've already had. Uh, just so grateful that we have the opportunity to be together. We are, uh, we are in the middle, for if, you, if this is your first time here, we're in the middle of a series of sermons that we've entitled Dysfunctional. Uh, but I know better than to recognize moms with dysfunctional behind me. So is that better? That's better, right? That's better, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we are so, just so grateful that we have the privilege of being able to uh, to tell uh, you Happy Mother's Day. Um, it's so thankful for just the impact that you have made uh, in our lives. So grateful for the influence, the work, the sacrifice, uh, the gifts that you have given to us. Moms, thank you. Uh, and those two words are so small and so trite in comparison to the sacrifice that you've made and the impact that you have made on our lives. But together, could we all just give a huge thank you to our moms. (laughs) If you have not reached out to your mom or uh, put a Facebook post or a card or something yet, this is your reminder. Okay? Uh, it is a wonderful day, and it's always a special day when we have an opportunity to uh, to thank our moms and to celebrate them. If you did not take advantage on your way in, there is a nice little photo backdrop over here in front of our offices. And so feel free to uh, stop by after the uh, service and, uh, and take a quick picture. Um, if you do take a picture, we'd love for you to tag us so that we can find those later. Uh, you can tag us on all of the different media outlets, social media outlets as uh, Stetson Baptist Church, and we would love to have that. So I'm so glad that you're here today, and we are going to continue in this series that we've called Dysfunctional, and really what we're doing is we're just looking at some of the really dysfunctional stories that exist in the Bible, specifically in the book of Genesis, like the very first book of the Bible, and we've defined dysfunctional because it's important that we know what we're talking about. So we've defined dysfunctional like this. It says that dysfunctional is not acting like it should, troubled, problematic, disharmonious and struggling. Now, if I just came up to you and said, hey, you're dysfunctional, you would probably kind of take a step back and say, I am not. But if I defined it as sometimes you don't act like you should, a little bit troubled, kind of problematic, a little bit disharmonious, and you're on the struggle bus, you would go, I relate to that. Yeah, we're, we're all a little dysfunctional in our lives. And the beautiful thing about God's Word is that it tells us some stories that when we read them, we're like, well, I thought I was dysfunctional, but I'm not that. I'm not that bad. I'm not, you know. So we've kind of looked at a few stories. I'm not going to give you a summary of all of them, but we've looked at stories like Abraham and his wife Sarah where Abraham tried to pass his wife off as his sister. Maybe you're not quite that dysfunctional. We've we've uh, we've shared some stories about um Isaac, who which was Abraham's son, and how Isaac actually did the exact same thing that his dad did. He also tried to pass his wife off as his sister weird stuff. We've talked about the fact that, that, uh, that God was going to bless the entire world through Abraham and his offspring. But after he, after about 15 years of expecting that blessing to come about, it didn't come about. And so they decided to take matters into their own hands. And so they basically said, Hey, don't worry about your wife, take your wife's servant and have a baby by her. And that'll work out. It did not work out. It was not a good situation. We've, uh, we've talked about the fact that these two, that eventually there are, uh, there is a child. His name is Isaac. And then he has kids named Jacob and Esau. And Jacob is the younger son and he steals Esau's birthright and basically kind of wishes him dead. And then Esau actually threatens Jacob dead. And so Jacob runs away, marries two women that are actually his cousins. That's a whole nother part of the dysfunction. And there's all kinds of stuff that goes on. It's right there in the Bible. And so the beautiful thing about God's Word is that it doesn't just like omit those stories. It actually tells us those things. Which, by the way, is one of the reasons why I believe that the Bible is true and accurate. And it is exactly what we're supposed to have. Because if I was writing a book for you to believe in, I would not put these stories in there. I would skip those. And so... Today, we're going to look at another one of those stories. This is actually uh, a little bit different because we've seen Abraham and his son Isaac, and Isaac and his sons Jacob and Esau. We've seen Jacob and his sons, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. I had to write those down. There's 12 kids that Jacob has. As a matter of fact, Jacob, eventually, his name gets changed to Israel, and his 12 kids are the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. Jacob is the beginning of all of it. Now, just so you understand, and we're gonna deal with this next week, there's a really odd turn of events that happens that makes it so that Joseph, who is 11th in line, his inheritance, he, some of you are like, I- I've studied Israel and I've never seen the tribe of Joseph. You're right. You've never seen the tribe of Joseph because Joseph's inheritance in the family actually gets split between his two kids. So Jacob and all of his kids and two of his grandkids are the twelve tribes of Israel. And so not only are they not only are they is, is his inheritance split between those two, but it's also They are given the place of honor as like the first and second born in the family. I'm getting ahead of myself, but this is what I want you to kind of understand today. We've talked about tons of dysfunction, and today what we're going to see is we're going to see all of that dysfunction, we're going to see kind of the end of it, the culmination of it, all of the bad things that we've talked about that have been happening over the last several weeks as we've walked through the scripture, we're going to see today that God can actually take all of those terrible things that 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 people do and he can make it right he is a God that makes good things come out of our dysfunction so let me just start reading and and we'll kind of get there but Genesis chapter 48 verse 1 this is what it says after this Joseph was told behold Your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And and it was told to Jacob, Jacob and Israel are the same person. It was told to Jacob, your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed and Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you and I will make of you a company of peoples and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. And now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine, Ephraim and manasseh shall be mine as reuben and simeon are now the the picture here is is of of uh, of jacob the nation of Israel, the person of Israel. He is sitting up. He is getting to the waning moments of his life. He is sick, and so he sits up in bed, and he remembers a moment. We actually talked about this last week. He remembers a moment when he was actually wrestling with this man in the night, and, and he, he was wrestling so so uh, strivingly that he, at, the, at the moment where the sun came up, the man said, you've got to let me go because the sun's coming up, and you've got to go about your business. And Jacob said to the man, I will not let go unless you bless me. And so the man blessed Jacob and said, I'm going to make you into a nation of peoples. I'm going to give to your children, your offspring, this land where you are. I'm going to make them numerous, as numerous as the stars in the sky. I'm going to bless them, and I'm going to bless the world through them. I'm going to do wonderful things. If you've been around for a while, you might recognize that as the same blessing and the same pronouncement that God made over Abraham. God said, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. It's going to be through your kids. And Abraham had two kids, Ishmael and Isaac. And Isaac was the carrier of that blessing. And then we have have kind of uh, this this picture of, of, okay, now we've got Jacob. And Jacob is the carrier of the blessing. And now he is saying, you, my children, are going to be the carrier of the blessing. It's interesting, though, because he says, Manasseh, Ephraim, you're my grandchildren, but you're gonna you're gonna be in my family. You're gonna be in the line of my children, just like Reuben and Simeon. Now it's 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 appropriate that he uses those two as an example because Reuben was the firstborn, and Simeon was the secondborn. So what he's kind of saying here is Joseph, my child. As a matter of fact, Joseph was not just Jacob's child, Joseph was Jacob's. Favorite child. And we see that through the story of Joseph that, that when all of the other brothers went out to work the fields, Joseph was kept at home. Joseph was given a technicolor dream coat. Well, that's Broadway. He was just given a coat of many colors. Basically, he was treated with, with kid gloves. They wanted to make sure that he was, he was protected. Now, I know that none of you moms out there have a favorite child. At least you don't say it out loud. But your kids, can I tell you something? Your kids know. Like I know, like I I have a younger brother and I have a younger sister. And I know without a doubt that my mom's favorite child is my sister. And my mom will be in the third service and I will say it then too. And she will sit there and she'll go, but I, let me just tell you something. One day, not too terribly long ago, one day I said something to her, and we were talking about Darla, and she was having a conversation. I said, listen, just because, you're her, just because she's your favorite doesn't mean you have to, and I kind of filled in the blank. And she responded with, well, just because she's my favorite doesn't mean, and I was like, "What? there it is. I've been waiting all these years. It's only taken me almost 50 years to figure it out. But now you've admitted it. She is your favorite child. Well, Joseph was the favorite child. But it's not just that Joseph was the favorite child. It's also that Joseph was thought dead and now is alive. And here we have a picture of this 11th child and his children. So Jacob's grandchildren are being placed in the honor, in the place of honor, as the first and the second. Going on in verse 8, it says, When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? That's kind of interesting. He's getting older. Maybe he's just forgetting. Joseph said to his father, They are my sons whom God has given me here. And he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your offspring also. I thought you were dead, and now I get to see your kids. Then Joseph removed them from his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand. And Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand and brought them near him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands. For Manasseh was the firstborn. Now this is curious, but let me just kind of give you the picture. Joseph is bringing his two children in to Jacob, his father. It's time for Jacob to pass the blessing, To basically say, God has blessed me. I want to bless you. And so Joseph brings his two children in and, and, and he takes, he takes, uh, he takes Ephraim, the younger, and he takes Ephraim and and puts him closer to Jacob's left hand. And he takes Manasseh, the older, and he puts him close to, uh, to Jacob's right hand. Because it was known that the right hand was the hand of blessing. It was, it, he could place his hands on both of them, but, but the blessing that was pronounced, it, it was just known that the blessing would, would flow through the right hand. Now that feels a little weird, but you understand it, you know, it's, it's the person seated at the right hand, it's the person at the right hand, it is, it is my right hand man. I mean, this is something, you, nobody ever says, well, that's my left hand man. All right, you just don't say that. It's my right hand man, right? And it's that picture of the right hand is, is a right is a, is a hand of importance. Sorry for you left handers out there, but that's what it is. But Jacob says, "Okay, it's time for me to bless these two boys." And he takes his right hand and he places it on the older. I mean, yeah, he puts it on the younger, and he takes his left hand. And he places his left hand on the older. So what he is saying is, is that the second child will be like the first. And the first child will be like the second. And he pronounces this blessing this way. Now, can I just tell you? Just physically speaking, this is not normal. This was intentional. This was not like, oh, let me... Okay, come on boys. Let me bless you. That would not be normal. You would simply reach out your hands and bless them, right? So this was not this was not just this was intentional. And what Jacob in this moment is saying, and actually, let me just finish it. He says in verse 17, when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know he, he also shall become a people and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. What he is saying here is, yes, I am doing exactly what I think I'm doing. This is not an accident. It's intentional. I know that the younger will be above the older. Can I hear an amen from all the second children in the room? Some of you are like, yeah, that's right. These middle childs, right? Um, yeah. So you, you're you're looking at this and, and you're understanding. You're understanding. You see, it was the it was the firstborn. Now, that would that would typically be blessed. It was the secondborn that would be served by the inheritance of the firstborn. So traditionally, the firstborn would receive the greatest inheritance. And by that inheritance, would take care of the rest of the family. Jacob is saying, it shall not be so. The secondborn will receive the blessing. And by that, will serve the rest of the family. Now, this is a very interesting thing because we see this. Honestly, throughout the book of Genesis. Anybody remember Abraham? Do you remember how many children he had? He had two. The first was Ishmael, and the second was Isaac. And which was the child of blessing? The second. And then we have uh, Isaac having how many? Two children. He has Esau, and then he has Jacob. Who is the child of blessing? Jacob the second. And here we have a picture of this is a a, a crossing of the hands. Y'all, this is actually a concept that is throughout Scripture. We see it over and over and over that basically God blesses those who the world would kind of pass over. Who the world would dismiss. And sometimes he dismisses those who the world would elevate. We see this in the choosing of David as the king of Israel. Samuel goes to anoint, the firstborn comes out, and Samuel says, now that's a king. And God says, do not anoint him, I've rejected him. And he goes through all the children of Jesse, and finally he looks at Jesse and says, do you not have any other kids? Because I know that I'm supposed to be at this household, but I, I didn't, God didn't reveal. He says, well, I mean, We've got the youngest out in the field, but ooh, you don't want to see him. Suddenly, David walks in, and God says, that's the king. That's the one. God chooses who he chooses. God works through who he works through. Probably the greatest example of this is that in Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God, who was born on this earth and gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins. The firstborn was rejected and sacrificed for the benefit of the secondborn. That's me and you. We are the children of God, and we receive the blessing of God saying, for the benefit of of mankind, the first and only begotten will be despised and rejected and sacrificed so that all of mankind may have an opportunity to have a relationship with me through the sacrifice of Jesus. Is that not awesome? To see this picture here in Genesis of the crossing of hands, it actually shows up throughout Scripture, scripture and we get a chance to experience it personally. the gift of Jesus Christ the firstborn among many all right great story what does it mean what does it say to us well I'll, I'll offer just a few words of a couple of couple of statements of summary and then one word of application today okay so here's a, here's a way that we can kind of look at this. If we take a step back from this story and we kind of look at it as a whole and really look at it in the whole span of this whole dysfunctional series that we've been talking about, this is one way that we can, this is one way that we can think. It is that sometimes our dysfunction can lead to deliverance. Just because we are, and listen, you can deny this as long as you want to. I know the truth we're all a little dysfunctional. We've all got some areas in our life that we wish were different. We've all got some things that we wish we could change. We've all got some places that we think, you don't look there. Sometimes our dysfunction can actually lead to deliverance. What we see here is a culmination of the promise that God made to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. We get to see it all the way through. And listen, the stories that have existed between then and now are way more than what I've told you. As a matter of fact, there's a couple of stories in there that I couldn't preach because they're honestly not meant for young ears. It's that bad. It gets crazy. But what we must understand and see is that we are not just, well, I'm I'm messed up. No, God takes messed up things and fixes them. God takes messed up people and makes something out of them. God can take our dysfunction and he can lead us to a position of deliverance. So never think you're too messed up for God. Never think you've gone too far for God. Never think that you have, have, have messed your life up so much that nobody can love you because I'm telling you, God can always, 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 he can always love you. He proved it by sending his son to die for you, to pay the price for your sins. Dysfunction can lead to deliverance. Here's the second thing that just is kind of a point of summary, and I'll, I'll tell you, this is so encouraging to me. God doesn't play by our rules. God, doesn't, God is not looking at us saying, so what do you think I should do? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that the God of all creation doesn't look at us and try to come get advice? Because i tell you, I would have some advice for him. I would have some things to say. I mean, I I am a pastor. Give me a little bit of space. I have words to say, right? And you know what? If any of you are parents, you also know, give me a little bit of space. I have words to say, right? I'm I'm like a person waiting on an opportunity for a lecture. That's just how things are. You've always got advice to give, You've always got, I'll, t- I'll tell you, as a, as a parent, one of the things that is, is probably the hardest thing in the world for me to do is to not just answer every single question that my kids ask. Have you ever had that? Like, they ask a question, and sometimes you're like, well, I know the answer. Well, I know what they should do. But sometimes you kind of need to let them figure it out, right? Sometimes they need to get to that point. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you were God looking down at us, our Heavenly Father looking at us, how messed up are we? I mean, honestly, we are, we are so messed. Can you imagine God up in heaven going, oh, I wouldn't do that? Oh no. Oh my God, did you see that? Can you imagine God? Please hear this. God doesn't play by our rules. He is not limited by what we think should happen. Sometimes he crosses his hands. And he does something that is completely unexpected. But when we get down into the nitty gritty of the outcome, we go, oh, well, that made more sense than what I would have done. Aren't you glad That our God is a God that doesn't play by our rules. (laughs) I wrote a few things down. Aren't you glad that your sin was not the end? You see, by our rules, we should have just been, we should have been wiped off the face of the earth a long time ago. Aren't you glad that your family didn't follow all of your examples? I, I was talking with one of my kids yesterday, I think it was, and he said, you know, I've, I've noticed this, I've noticed this, I've noticed this. And I was like, hey, listen, this is one of those moments where I need you to do as I said, not as I did. Can you just, can you just go with that? I, I need you to not pay so close attention to my example. He's like, mm, doesn't work like that. Anyway, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God surprises you sometimes? That you wake up and you go, well, this is better than I would have ever dreamed. Aren't you glad when everybody says that it won't work out, but God says it will? Aren't you glad that your kids aren't growing up exactly like you did? Now, some of you are like, I'd like for them to grow up a little bit more like I did. Well, some ways, but some ways not, right? Aren't you glad when your plan gets ended and God's plan is just getting started? Aren't you glad when we see things happen that shouldn't? But after afterward, we're so glad that they did. Aren't you glad for healing? See, that's God not playing by our rules. Aren't you glad for breakthroughs? That's God not playing by our rules. Aren't you glad for deliverance and miracles? Aren't you glad for those unexpected blessings? God doesn't play by our rules. I was, I was reminded of this in, in a, uh, a scripture that, that, um, when I was in seminary, I remember there was, there was conversation, you would go to classes, I, we're weird, we're seminary people, so we would go to classes and like before the class where everybody else, you know, like in a, in a college classroom or in a, in an educational classroom, everybody was like, did you hear this or Do you, did you, need you watch the game or, you know, like this? People in seminary class are like, have you read Romans chapter nine lately? I know it's weird. Um, But particularly Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11 were a conversation point. And the reason is because Romans is a really powerful section of Scripture, the book of Romans. But there, there's these three chapters right in the middle of Romans that are really, 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 really hard to understand. There's some statements in there that you're like, that's really deep and I don't know that it makes sense to me. And a few years ago, I actually preached through Romans uh, and, and just kind of verse by verse all the way through the book of Romans, and I I, I just got to be honest with you, I got to Romans chapter 9, and I was like, oh boy, this is going to be interesting, because it's tough. It's really hard to make sense of it in a way that's just easily digestible. Romans 9, 10, and 11. It's, it's a known minefield of Scripture, all right? But when I preached through it, there was a section right at the very end of Romans chapter 11 that just kind of jumped off the page. And it has helped me so much in my understanding, not only of that scripture, but also of God in general. This is what it says. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Do you know what I got out of that? God doesn't play by our rules. He doesn't work like we work. We don't have to understand him, and most of the time, I'm glad that I don't. So, I told you I was going to give you a couple of points of summary and one point of quick application. Here it is. What do we do? So, what do we do? That's great. Okay, so he crosses his hands. He didn't play by our rules. Sometimes our dysfunction can lead to deliverance. He does things that we don't understand. Well, then where does that leave me, Dan? Here's here's my encouragement to you. Work hard and trust God. Do what you can and then take a step back and say, now it's yours. I can't control this, but I know you can. Work hard and trust God. He is in control. Now, that doesn't mean that we just kind of, you know, throw caution to the wind and say, well, I'm just going to trust God. No, we work hard. We do our part. We work hard. And then we leave the results up to him. Because he can do things that we never expected. Work hard and trust God. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for the way that you lead us. And God, I pray that you would help us in our lives to be faithful, faithful, faithful to you. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being present in us. God, work in our hearts. Help us to see your hand at work. We love you. This morning, as you continue to pray, I just wanna give you an opportunity to respond. Maybe you're here and you came because it was Mother's Day. Maybe you're here and you just kind of wandered in today. Maybe you're here because, well, maybe you're here because you were here last week and the week before and you're probably going to be here again next week. But you know, the most important thing is not why you're here because I believe God has you here for a very specific purpose. We talked just a moment ago about how important it is and what a, what a big deal it is that we have the privilege of being able to trust Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. Today, If you've never given your life to Jesus, I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer that invites Jesus into your heart. If you've never trusted him, maybe today is the day. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you do anything other than I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. But if today you would like to give your life to Jesus right here, right now. Would you be so bold as to just lift your hand in the air and say I want to give my life to Jesus today right here right now anybody amen anyone else I want to give my life to Jesus right here in this moment right there, right now Pastor I just want you to pray with me I'm not going to come to you this is your time amen anyone else I want to give my life to Jesus right here right now for those of you who raised your hand or maybe you didn't, just, I just want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me. As a matter of fact, we, I just think it's important that nobody ever prays alone. So all around this room, we're all going to repeat this out loud in support of you praying this for the very first time. Would you just all around the room, would you just simply pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I thank you for coming to this earth to die on the cross for me. I know I'm a sinner. I've messed up so much in my life. But today, I'm asking you to come into my heart. To be my Lord. To be my Savior. And to forgive me of all of my sins. Help me to live for you from this moment on. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Would you give the Lord a huge praise? Isn't that awesome? Friend, if you raised your hand, or maybe if you didn't, but if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, we'd love to talk with you at the end of our service. We'll be down here at the close of our time together. And I'm just gonna ask God to just give you the courage to come and chat with us about what that first step might be if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. Right now, let's all stand and let's sing this this chorus together as we close.